Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our guest won a Heisman Trophy, coached Florida to a national title. He won games at Duke, won ACC at Duke. Went on to South Carolina, has been in the NFL. Hey, now he's opening a restaurant. I can't wait to check it out. Maybe I'll get an invitation. Steve Spurrier, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hey, thank you, Scott. Good to be on with you guys. Appreciate you coming on today, bud. And before I ask you about this restaurant, have you ever played Cattails in East Tennessee? Is that a golf course? It's a good golf course. Okay, where, where is it? I have not played it. It's up around Johnson City, I want to say. Oh, really? Yeah. Got a Marriott. Well, they must have built it in the last uh, uh, 50 years. I left Johnson City about 50, 50 years ago. <laughs> well, you need to get back and check out that golf course. It's pretty solid. Okay. Well, Coach, tell me about this restaurant. I mean, yeah, I tell you what, uh, a group of people down in Gainesville uh, came to me, and uh, one of the marketing guys that I do some business with, Fred Weeby, said we got a chance to do a restaurant. We want to put your name on it, and then we'll put the name of the uh, operator or the franchise. In other words, there'll be two names on it, and uh, we got an ideal location. It's right next to I-75. Uh, Archer Road is the main road down here in Gainesville. So location's very good, and uh, we believe we got we got something really good going on right there. Well, what kind of experience could could we expect if we pop in? Well, it's going to be casual dining, sort of American style. We we don't want to be a sports bar. We don't want to be real fancy. Uh, we certainly have steaks and all the other things. Maybe see a lot of seafood items. I hope and. Uh, maybe Mexican, Italian, whatever. But whoever the uh, operator is will have a strong voice on uh, what type of food we, we serve. Uh, to be successful, as we all know, you got to have an atmosphere. you got to have a man running the place that knows what the heck he's doing. And uh, if we can get those things going, we think uh, we chance to be very, very successful there. Well, what, what's your role going to be day-to-day? Will you have a day-to-day role? Well, I'm not. Uh, my role day to day right now, I'm consultant ambassador to University of Florida. I feel very fortunate, blessed. My university lets me hang around a little bit. I'm even on a small, small part of the payroll, which is pretty nice. And uh, I got an office uh, across from the football offices, uh, mostly up around sports information and some of the uh, other sports uh, uh, ADs and so forth. So. I do work with my alma mater, University of Florida, and now this restaurant is something completely separate. It, it, this role with as an ambassador for the University of Florida, I mean, is that something that ever crossed your mind when you were coaching? <laughs> no, not really. And, uh, of course, you know, I coached in the Alliance until uh, we folded up last year, and uh, our athletic director said, sure, that's fine. So I was gone uh, all January till April. And then I assume back my duties. No, it's not too uh, stressful a job, but I do enjoy sitting with the athletic director during the Gator football games. And uh, every now and then I'm sort of right when I tell them we need to do this out of the other. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, what it, what's it like on that side of the fence watching it from upstairs behind the glass? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't as much fun as I thought it might, would have been. Uh, and, and that's why I was so thankful the Alliance came into existence last spring. It uh, gave me a chance to coach, and uh, it actually gave me a chance to go out of winter if I never coach again. We were 7-1, as you probably know, and uh, they declared us the champs, even though the league folded uh, right at the end of the season. 
Yeah, Coach, that was that was a bad deal, man, because I, I actually enjoyed watching that football, and I could see a few of those guys moving on to the NFL. I, what, what, I mean, what's next for a lot of those fellas? And are you serious? Are you done coaching for good? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm gone for good or not. I'm taking this year off, though. I tell people it's good for a coach to take a year off every now and then and sort of recharges your batteries and, and go from there. Bobby Stoops, he took two years off, and he's going to coach that Dallas team in the XFL. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if opportunity comes up or not. Uh, that would be a, a type of opportunity, pro football. I've already had my run in colleges. Uh, the way these guys have to recruit year-round, every day, I think that that's not what uh, I would be looking forward to. Uh, coaching the games itself has always been the most fun for me. And uh, so this uh, spring league ball is, is something that a lot of older coaches uh, have gotten into. You know, when when did you really get a sense that that thing wasn't going to work out with the AAF? Well, we had a warning about the second week of the season when the players uh, coached my paycheck didn't come in. Uh, their paychecks were wired in every Tuesday, and uh, we were told we had a computer glitch. <laughs> Later, we found out it was called no money. But uh, anyway, they sold uh, basically the alliance to Tom Dundon, right, Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, and he kept us alive for about six weeks. And I guess he got tired of losing. I don't know how much, eight or ten million every week. So he said, "I'm finished." So that finished the uh, alliance. But uh, the, it was a fun league because all the players, you know, they're trying to impress the NFL guys, and they, they did a good job. They hustled, and, and we told them, you know, everything's on tape now. Everything's on video. So be a good player, you get a chance to play in the big leagues. And I think five or six of our players have signed with the NFL teams already. Now they got to go make the team, of course, but it has given them a, a step in the door. And how how different was you was it for you though to be out there coaching again football in 2019 as opposed to the last time you were on the sidelines for South Carolina? Well, the Has last the... team I had, I did a lousy job there at South Carolina, and uh, the attitude of the team uh, was not very good. And that's the head coach's fault. If you got coaches and players that uh, are not all with us, all on the program, uh, it's no fun. And uh, it's time for me to move on. So I, maybe I learned a lot of lessons the last couple of years in South Carolina. And uh, everyone was accountable in the alliance. And we really had a bunch of good players that uh, followed the coaches' instructions. And uh, it, was, it was a really fun bunch to work with. And, Coach, I've, I've got to think the player, they're all professionals, but very different from the NFL player because these guys are actually out there trying to do something, trying to still prove themselves. Mm -hmm. Exactly. These guys are not uh, superstars. They were out of work just like all of us coaches were pretty much out of work. So we uh, we were trying to, first of all, win win the alliance. That was our goal. And uh, and then the second thing, hopefully every one of you will get an NFL shot uh, or else maybe after next year you might do that. So uh, the attitude was just, just wonderful amongst, I think, every, every coach I talked to in the alliance said the same thing. How how would you compare that experience to the USFL? I know there are some big differences, but there had to be some similarities. Oh, it's very similar. The time of year was uh, just about the exact same time. And the players, again, they, they want to go to the big leagues. So sort of a stepping stone league. And, uh, yeah, the Bandits, uh, we, we had winning teams every year down there. Didn't didn't quite win the championship, but really had some, uh, some good offensive teams. John Reeves and uh, – 
couple of running backs, Brad Boone and Gary Anderson, had over 1,000 yards one year down there. So it was a little bit similar. It was a different ownership. Uh, USFL had an individual owner at all 12 teams, and this was owned by a group of guys or an organization or whoever. Uh, we found out later uh, they didn't have any rich guys, owners, that, that we needed uh, to keep the alliance going. That Tampa Bay team, wasn't Burt Reynolds part of that? Uh, he was mostly a figurehead owner. <laughs> he may have given him $100 one day and said, tell him I'm an owner. Uh, but he showed up occasionally, and uh, he was, yeah, he was considered one of the minority owners. Well, that's that whole Florida State thing, isn't it? Uh, he was good friends with John Bassett, the owner of the Bandits. And, uh, you know, the name uh, Bandit Ball, it could be Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, you know, it could have been. I don't know where he got it exactly. Uh, but, of course, Burt Reynolds felt an association with the team. We're joined by Steve Spurrier. Follow him on Twitter, at Steve Spurrier UF. And, Coach, we had Paul Feinbaum on yesterday, and we were talking about SEC scheduling. And, and you know, the SEC, the toughest conference football-wise in the country, and they always have that game right before the last game where they usually play an FCS team or or maybe not just a quality FBS team. And I got, I've got two questions for you. One, can you see the SEC ever getting away from that? And, two, would you, like Paul Feinbaum, also like to see more home-and-home -home games? Uh, well, first of all, scheduling is really important to most teams. Uh, my 12 years at Florida, we played FSU the last game of the season. 11 of those 12 years, they were in the top four in the nation. So they beat us a few more times than we beat them that last game, and then the SEC championship game was the next week. So we had to mentally get that FSU game out of our system. Uh, during one three-year period, uh, Sports Rider said Florida has proven they can, they can win the SEC even if they lose to FSU, tie FSU, or beat FSU. Because that happened three years in a row, and we're fortunate to, to win the SEC all those years. But uh, and I'll tell you what, scheduling, uh, Alabama, Duke's the toughest team of the out-of-conference games. And, uh, but, you know, it, it's up to the individual schools. Uh, nobody says it's supposed to be fair out there anyway. <laughs> so uh, uh, sometimes uh, the scheduling can really work against you when you play two teams from the other side of the division in the uh, SEC. Uh, one year at South Carolina, we beat everybody in the Eastern Division and lost twice on the Western side. So we were 6-2. and two. And after we beat Georgia, they ran the table and went 7-1. So they were the champs. They were the champs of our division. So, again, nobody says it's supposed to be fair out there. Just do the best you can. Hey, Coach, before we let you go, I'd like to get your take on this abundance of transfers. The players are able to go basically anywhere they want, when they want nowadays. What's your take on that? Well, that's the way it is now. Uh, I don't know if the coaches really like it. I would not have liked it that much. But what it does, it uh, it makes the coaches uh, not necessarily recruit players on the other team, but keep an eye on all the players, maybe your opponents, that may be free after this year. And uh, somehow or another, maybe they can get the word to the kid roundabout way that, hey, he can play over here. So uh, coaches don't like it too much, but it's the rule is passed. It's, it's a free country. Players are free to go. And maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Coaches are free to go. They don't have to stay even through another year of their contracts. They don't want to. So it's, uh, 
you got to learn to live with it and, and work with it. All right. And, Coach, your last question, when, uh, when do you think this restaurant is going to be up and running 100%? Uh, next June, a year from now. So we got some time to find us a successful operator, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to hanging out there as much as possible. All right. He is Steve Spurrier. You can follow him on Twitter, at Steve Spurrier UF. Coach, been a blast, pal. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you, my man. Good talking to you. All righty. It's Coach Steve Spurrier. I, you know, there's no telling what he was doing. He was He was moving around while he was talking. He, he might be on the golf course. He might be. Who knows? There's no telling what he was doing, but he, he no shortage of words. I told you, I've never experienced a non-talkative Steve Spurrier. We could have kept him on for a long time. I, I, I felt bad. I didn't want him to monopolize his afternoon. I think he would have just kept answering questions. But Hang at, on. At some, point, off. <laughs> at some point, we've got to hit a break, and he's got to get to doing whatever he needs to do. You know, I read a wonderful book about the USFL by Jeff Perlman. If you ever get an opportunity, read Jeff Perlman's work. And the Tampa Bay Bandits that Steve Spurrier coached. Football for a buck, the title. That's of that it. Book. Yeah. That's it. And um, Jeff's a great guy. Great guy. The, the Tampa Bay Bandits were indeed named after Smokey and the Bandit, the Bandit from the movie. And Burt Reynolds had some kind of role, and Coach said, well, you might have given him 100 bucks <laughs> sometime or something. But, yeah, it was that was his job. And Burt would come out to the games and bring Lonnie Anderson or whoever, you know, it was at the time, wave to the crowd, and people would go crazy. And a lot of people would come to those games just to see Burt because at the time he was the biggest movie star in the world. So it was, it was good on them. The AAF did not have a Burt Reynolds-type figure involved. The closest thing they had was Steve Spurrier, and he was coaching.